Long history. Sir Walter Raleigh and Virginia. Point two. A king of Virginia's brother. Hello everyone and welcome to the latest series here on Long History. Welcome to any new listeners. Here on Long History we like to take the very source documents from history and serialise them in chunks of around 10 or 15 minutes. And in particular we cover the Age of Exploration. And we've covered many famous names already here on Long History. Sir Walter Raleigh is actually one we've already covered with his slightly eccentric document, The Discovery of Guyana, where he goes on a quest for El Dorado. Here, however, we've got an 18-point series, and although these documents relate to Sir Walter Raleigh, he doesn't actually go on the voyages described here, he just sponsors these expeditions. And we've bunched a total of seven documents together, and these involve five voyages from England to Virginia, the granting by Elizabeth I of the right to settle Virginia, which we've already covered in the previous document, and then a description of life on North America in the 1580s by those earliest English settlers. So in this episode, we're starting with the first journey from England to Virginia, which will be covered in a total of three episodes here. So I hope that makes some sense, and if that's of interest, don't forget to subscribe or follow Long History to be informed of when the remaining episodes in this journey and this series as a whole are released. Okay, so here we go with Sir Walter Raleigh and Virginia, part two, a king of Virginia's brother. The first voyage made to the coasts of America with two barks, wherein were captains Mr. Philip Amadas and Mr. Arthur Barlow who discovered part of the country now called Virginia, anno 1584. Written by one of the said captains, and sent to Sir Walter Raleigh Knight, at whose charge and direction the said voyage was set forth. The 27th day of April, in the year of our redemption 1584, we departed the west of England, with two barks, well furnished with men and victuals, having received our last and perfect directions by your letters, confirming the former instructions and commandments delivered by yourself at our leaving the River of Thames. And I think it a matter both unnecessary, for the manifest discovery of the country, as also for tediousness' sake, to remember unto you the diurnal of our course, sailing thither and returning. Only, I have presumed to present unto you this brief discourse, by which you may judge how profitable this land is likely to succeed, as well to yourself, by whose direction and charge, and by whose servants this our discovery hath been performed, as also to Her Highness and the Commonwealth, in which we hope your wisdom will be satisfied, considering that as much by us has been brought to light as by those small means and number of men we had could any way have been expected or hoped for. The 10th of May we arrived at the Canaries, and the 10th of June in this present year we were fallen with the islands of the West Indies, keeping a more southeasterly course than was needful, because we doubted that the current of the Bay of Mexico, disbogging between the Cape of Florida and Havana, 
had been of greater force than afterwards we found it to be. At which islands we found the air very unwholesome, and our men grew for the most part ill-disposed, so that, having refreshed ourselves with sweet water and fresh victual, we departed the twelfth day of our arrival there. These islands with the rest adjoining are so well known to yourself and to many others, as I will not trouble you with the remembrance of them. The 2nd of July we found shoal water, where we smelt so sweet and so strong a smell, as if we had been in the midst of some delicate garden, abounding with all kind of odiferous flowers, by which we were assured that the land could not be far distant. And keeping good watch, and bearing but slack sail, the 4th of the same month we arrived upon the coast, which we supposed to be a continent and firm land, and we sailed along the same a hundred and twenty English miles before we could find any entrance or river issuing into the sea. The first that appeared unto us we entered, though not without some difficulty, and cast anchor about three harquebus shots within the haven's mouth, on the left hand of the same. And after thanks given to God for our safe arrival thither, we manned our boats and went to view the land next adjoining, and to take possession of same, in the right of the Queen's most excellent majesty, as rightful Queen and Princess of the same, and after delivered the same over to your use, according to Her Majesty's grant and letters patents, under Her Highness's great seal which, being performed according to the ceremonies used in such enterprises, we viewed the land about us, being, whereas we first landed very sandy and low towards the water's side, but so full of grapes as the very beating and surge of the sea overflowed them, of which we found such plenty as well there as in all places else, both on the sand and on the green soil on the hills as in the plains, as well on every little shrub, as also climbing towards the tops of high cedars, that I think in all the world the like abundance is not to be found. And myself, having seen those parts of Europe that most abound, find such difference as were incredible to be written. We passed from the seaside, towards the tops of those hills next adjoining, being but of mean height, and from thence we beheld the sea on both sides, to the north and to the south, finding no end any of both ways. This land lay stretching itself to the west, which after we found to be but an island of twenty miles long and not above six miles broad. Under the bank or hill whereon we stood, we beheld the valleys replenished with goodly cedar trees, and having discharged our harquebus shot, such a flock of cranes, the most part white, arose under us, with such a cry redoubled by many echoes, as if an army of men had shouted all together. This island had many goodly woods, full of deer, conies, hares and fowl, even in the middest of summer, 
in incredible abundance. The woods are not such as you find in Bohemia, Moscovia or Hercynia, barren and fruitless, but the highest and reddest cedars of the world, far bettering the cedars of the Azores, of the Indies or Libanus. Pines, cypress, sassafras, the lentisk, or the tree that beareth the mastic, the tree that beareth the rind of black cinnamon, of which Master Winter brought from the Straits of Magellan, and many other of excellent smell and quality. We remained by the side of this island two whole days before we saw any people of the country. The third day, we espied one small boat rowing towards us, having in it three persons. This boat came to the island side, four harquebus shots from our ships, and there, two of the people remaining, the third came along the shore side towards us. And we being then all within board, he walked up and down upon the point of the land next unto us. Then the master and the pilot of the admiral, Simon Ferdinando, and the captain, Philip Amadas, myself and others, rode to the land, whose coming this fellow attended, never making any show of fear or doubt. And after he had spoken of many things not understood by us, we brought him, with his own good liking, aboard the ships, and gave him a shirt, a hat, and some other things and made him taste of our wine and our meat, which he liked very well. And after having viewed both barks, he departed, and went to his own boat again, which he had left in a little cove or creek adjoining. As soon as he was too bowshoot into the water, he fell to fishing, and in less than half an hour he had laden his boat as deep as it could swim, with which he came again to the point of the land, and there he divided his fish into two parts, pointing one part to the ship and the other to the pinnace, which, after he had as much as he might requited the former benefits received, departed out of our sight. The next day there came unto us diverse boats, and in one of them the king's brother, accompanied with forty or fifty men, very handsome and goodly people, and in their behaviour as mannerly and civil as any of Europe. His name was Granganimeo, and the king is called Wingina, the country Wingandacoa, and now by Her Majesty Virginia. The manner of his coming was in this sort. He left his boats altogether as the first man did, a little from the ships by the shore and came along to the place over against the ships, followed with forty men. When he came to the place, his servants spread a long mat upon the ground, on which he sat down, and at the other end of the mat, four others of his company did the like. The rest of his men stood round about him, somewhat afar off. When we came to the shore to him with our weapons, he never moved from his place, nor any of the other four, nor never mistrusted any harm to be offered from us. But, sitting still, he beckoned to us to come and sit by him, which we performed. And being set, he made all signs of joy and welcome, striking on his head and his breast, 
and afterwards on ours, to show we were all one, smiling and making show the best he could of all love and familiarity. After he had made a long speech unto us, we presented him with diverse things, which he received very joyfully and thankfully. None of the company durst speak one word all the time. Only the four, which were at the other end, spake one in the other's ear very softly. A lot has happened in this episode. These captains Amadas and Barlow have crossed the Atlantic and reached the area of Virginia in an account said to be written by one of these captains, and he seems to be writing this document to send it to Sir Walter Raleigh as an account so that Sir Walter Raleigh can judge whether it's worth settling these places. It's interesting to note the way in which the first thing the English do is to take a sort of possession of this land without particularly discussing it with any of the people who were already there. We can see the naming of Virginia and that its old name was Wingandakoa, with a king called Wingina and the king's brother being called Granganimeo. And it's interesting this attempt by the Europeans to quantify this area in their terms. They talk about a country and a king, without even having established whether such notions exist in this part of the world. In the next episode, we'll hear some more about this meeting between the Europeans and the local people, and we'll particularly hear more about the women of the area. The English list all the products available in the area, and they clearly like everything they see. Thank you for listening to this episode by Long History, and this first part of the first journey to Virginia by the English. This was Sir Walter Raleigh and Virginia, Part 2, A King of Virginia's Brother. Goodbye.